Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. As you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated, uh, this morning we're continuing to look at uh, opportunities to fellowship with people in our families, in our communities, uh, over the coming holiday season, especially over next week. Um, Last week, we kind of talked about the importance of food and fellowship and how it was so important that it became a foundation for the early church. So I'm going to put a couple of verses up on the screen from last week, but if you want to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 9, that's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, So last week, this is what we talked about. Um, In Acts chapter 2, there were 120 disciples filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up, preaches this fiery sermon in this public place. Uh, Imagine something really public, like being at a Steelers game, You preach this fiery sermon while everyone's out tailgating. 3,000 people, um, those who accepted his message, were baptized, and 3,000 were added to their number that day, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayer. Uh, And then it goes on and it says, every day, every single day, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. That's where they would open the word of God and and talk about God's word and how it applied to their lives. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So as they went about doing this, as they went about um, doing uh, all of these things, specifically devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayer, God over and over would bring people into their, for lack of a better term, congregation, but really into their community. So, so um, years ago, we used to have, when I first got here, we used to have red pews and red carpet. How many people remember the red carpet and the red pews? A few of you. Okay. All right. And then we transitioned to chairs where we had whole rows of just chairs going all the way to the back and all the way to the front. And then little by little, I started replacing the rows of chairs with tables because they're more effective for doing all of this, right? You can do, uh, like, devoting yourselves to apostles' teaching. You'll see people open their Bibles more frequently when they're sitting at the table than when they're holding it in their lap, right? You'll see people taking notes and all that kind of stuff. You'll see people fellowshipping more, like talking more. I know some pastors are like, shh, don't talk during, you know, I'm talking. I'm more like, talk, chat, do whatever, you know, if you're like, hey, this is important, and someone says, yeah, I should highlight that, go for it. The breaking of bread, it's so much easier to have food on the tables than it is sitting in a row, nothing wrong with you guys, sitting in a row, because like right now there's like the little donut holes, you can only have one or two on your plate, and you're trying to hold your coffee, and you got to put your coffee down if you're sitting in the rows. If it's on the table, you can pile it up with donut rolls. You can put your coffee there. And I had a pastor ask me, we were in a conversation in a pastor's group, and they were like, hey, we just redid our sanctuary floor, 
right? They just put in, except they did carpet. He said, we just put in brand new carpet, right? And he said, what's the best way to prevent spills? He said, I don't want to ban people from bringing in drinks and coffee. And I said, put in tables, less spills. No one's putting their coffee on the floor in the rows. Like, uh, they're putting it on tables. And then if it spills, it doesn't hit the floor. It's all over the table. You can wipe it up. And we haven't had one spill that I know of. <laughs> Since we had the floors redone, we probably had many, but that's okay because I don't see it. Somebody gets to it before, it's easy, it's wiped up, and I told them, put in tables. You'll have more fellowship, more people, and when it comes to prayer, more people around the tables, more willing to pray with one another, right? Easier, put in tables. It's like your, your, your deacon board may not like you much, uh, but later, you'll see your deacon board with food, hanging out, taking notes around the table, they will appreciate it. They may not admit it, but they will appreciate it, right? So this is one of the reasons I wanted this to happen because it's, 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 it's a foundation of the church, not just the teaching, but creating that fellowship and that community and especially food and fellowship throughout the Bible. So uh, here's what I'm going to do. Um, in the coming weeks, there's going to be lots of opportunities, not just next week, next week, Thanksgiving, uh, for food and fellowship around all of our tables, right? Uh, some people are going to have Friendsgiving parties. Uh, some people are going to have organization community parties. I know Jefferson Hill is having their holiday party uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks and all of these things. Uh, so I wanted to share some verses to show um, how important it is, not just that we fellowship with one another, uh, but that we fellowship with other people as well when we're at all of these around-the-table gatherings where we're hanging out with folks. So if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to put all the verses up here on screen because I'm going to be jumping back and forth. But turn to Matthew chapter 9, right? So in Matthew chapter 9, and just to give you some background while you're turning there, Jesus has just finished, uh, I don't want to call it a tour, but just healed people, healed people, went across the river, healed people, cast out demons, comes back and healed people. And then, this is what happens next. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Now, uh, most of you are familiar with Matthew because the book is named after him, right? A lot of people are familiar with the gospel of Matthew. <clears throat> but here's what most people don't know, right? Matthew was seated at the tax collector's booth. So most people tend to think, and most pastors will tend to say, that he was a tax collector, kind of like an IRS agent, right? That's not wholeheartedly true. He didn't work for the government like the IRS agents. They work for the government. They're on a government salary. When the government can't pay people and has, pay people and has to like, shut down temporarily, they probably still get paid, but other people don't get paid. But he was not working for the government. He was contracted by the government to collect taxes. So even though he was at the tax collector's booth, he was not a tax collector. He was a debt collector. So the government would say to him, hey, Matthew, uh, all the people in this town, I want you to collect their taxes. We're expecting this much money from all those people. You can charge as much as you want above that just give us what the government is expected to collect. So he was like a debt collector who would charge sometimes 
300 to 400 percent more than what the people owed. So let's say you owed $100 in taxes, and for some reason you couldn't pay it, you'd go to Matthew, Matthew would say, that's okay, I will pay the $100 to the government for you, but now you owe me $500. And I know that sounds like a lot, but if he just did the, you know, what are interest rates, six, seven percent interest, he would make six bucks. But he, because he's, you know, a small amount, a hundred bucks, uh, he would charge a hundred bucks and he would say, uh, or you would pay a hundred bucks, and he would say, but now you owe me 500 bucks. Some people, he would say, hey, you guys owe me 500 bucks, you owe a hundred bucks, but you have two businesses, so you owe me a thousand. So I'm going to charge you 500, I'm going to charge you a thousand. You don't make that much, so I'm only going to charge you $50 on that hundred bucks. He would just charge whatever he wanted to because he was a debt collector. Right? And technically today, we don't call that an IRS agent, some people do, but we actually call that a loan shark, which is illegal unless you form a corporation and become a bank, because there are banks that do what they call payday loans, where you go say, hey, I need just $200 to keep my lights on because, you know, I didn't work enough hours. And they're like, sure, here's $200, but you need to pay us back $500. Same thing. Okay, but um, that's what he did. And here's the thing, that's why so many people were mad at him and didn't like him, and that's why he was considered a sinner, because the Bible says you're not supposed to treat your brothers and sisters that way. You're not supposed to manipulate them. You're not supposed to make money off of them. You're supposed to help them. So that's why he was like so hated. It's also why... Some people don't like the church because they feel like, here's the thing, they feel like we're in a church, they feel like some congregations, they make money off of the people instead of using their resources to help the people. And this is, I'm sure we've all heard stories, but I've had people physically like say these words to me, no, I don't trust the church because all they want is money. I've had people physically say to me, yeah, I used to go to such and such church, but they asked me to bring in my pay stub because they didn't think I was tithing the right amount. They thought I was keeping money back. It's not like a story I read on the internet, although there are plenty of those. This is what people have physically said. This is why we don't trust the church. This is why they didn't trust Matthew. This is why he was so hated, because he was misusing his authority to make money off of the people. And people think the church says that today. But um, moving on to the next verse, here's what it says. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, now this is the very next sentence, right? So although it may seem like it's something different, um, Jesus says, hey, Matthew, follow me. Matthew got up and follows him. And the very next sentence is, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. So the understanding kind of is that he said, okay, I'll follow you, Jesus. He invites Jesus to his house. Jesus comes and hangs out. Now, here's the thing. Matthew, probably not the most reputable job. And people wonder why, you know, all these other tax collectors and sinners came to Matthew's house. It probably wasn't like a, you know, a restaurant, anyone can come in. But it's likely that these are the folks that Matthew hung out with. He was a tax collector or a debt collector, so he hung out with other debt collectors. But where it says 
also all these sinners came because that's probably the crowd he hung out with. I want to put it up in an amplified version because I want you to see I'm not making this up because these were probably some shady folks that we probably would not invite to our table. An amplified version, it says, as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and especially wicked sinners came and sat and reclined with him and his disciples. I mean, Matthew was a tax collector, so he probably hung out with, yes, other tax collectors or debt collectors. He probably hung out with some folks who were into some shady gambling stuff. He probably hung out with some folks who, let's see, how do we put it, um, had to enforce getting the money back that they said, oh, well, I can't. And it, think of loan sharks today, right, and all the movies, and they send the, 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 the big burly people to, hey, go collect my money. And I'm not saying Matthew was out breaking legs, but he had to have some shady friends who were doing some shady stuff. And those are the people that came to his house. Those are the people who came to dinner. Here's the thing. Those are the people that Jesus sat down and hung out at the table with. Because most of us, we look and we say, you know what? I don't even know if I would want to sit with Matthew, but we also say, I definitely don't want to sit with the people that he associated with. And Jesus said, I'm not just going to sit with them. I'm going to sit at the table with them. I'm going to eat with them. I'm going to dine with them. Most of us would probably think, um, why would even Jesus call someone like Matthew? Because most of us think, we, we, we expect, oh, well, God wants the, you know, the perfect people the well-dressed people, the, the people who have got their lives together, the people who you know, are pillars in a community people, not the shady people and the especially wicked people. But Jesus doesn't just want the perfect people. He wants the, hey, I've messed up more times than Taylor Swift has had boyfriends people. He wants the, I, I'm, 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 I know I'm a full-grown adult, but I still have no idea what I'm doing with my life, people. He wants the people that we look at and say, you know what, um, we won't sit them at the main table. We'll sit them at the other table because they're going to embarrass us, people, or they're going to spill all over the place, people, or they're going to say the wrong thing, people. And we try to keep ourselves away from those people. And Jesus said, hey, I'm going to come sit and hang out with those people. And most of us, uh, we probably wouldn't do the same thing that Jesus did. We probably wouldn't welcome them to our table. But here's the reality. As we do the, 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 the work parties, as we do the organizational parties, as we do the, the Thanksgiving meals, the Friendsgivings, as we do all of that stuff, some of those people are going to show up at our table. Especially, and this, this, when I was consulting for the government, uh, when I was working in the military, happened all the time, um, there is the people at work who don't do any other work, but they'll show up first in line at the work parties for all the food and all that stuff. And they expect that when they show up at the work parties that you're going to be friendly to them and nice to them, and all we really want to do is just tell them how much words come to mind that I shouldn't say in church type thing, Right? But these are the same people that Jesus loves just as much as us. And he wants us to do the same thing. When they show up at the work party, when they show up at the family gathering, when they show up to sit at the table, instead of us getting up and walking away from the table, 
instead of us saying, okay, I'm going to move to another table, he wants us to sit and stay at the table with them because that's what he would do for us. But here's the thing, here's the thing. If we do that, um, they're going to treat us the same way if we show mercy and we show grace and we show love to the people at the table, they're going to do the same thing to us that they did to Jesus, which is uh, in, chap in chapter 9, verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, right, saw that Jesus was hanging out with the shady folks at the table, they asked his disciples, hey, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, notice this, this is important. The Pharisees, they're the, they're the, they're the religious folks who, um, not so much into the word of God, but more into the, here's the traditions that we have instituted. Not so much into the, here's what the Bible says, but they're more into the, here's the way we do things in this building, right? And these are the folks, notice, they didn't go to Jesus and say, hey, why are you doing this? They went to his disciples and says, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because if you hang out with the shady folks at the table and instead of getting up and leaving the table, you say, hey, welcome to the table. I want to get to know you. How are you doing? They're going to do the same thing to you. They're not going to talk bad about you to you. They're going to talk bad about you to other people. They're going to look at you and they're going to say, hey, uh, look at, you know, them, they're, they're hanging out with drug dealers, so they must be on drugs. Instead of noticing that, hey, you're hanging out with drug dealers because you're trying to help get them off of drugs. They're going to look at you and say, hey, you're hanging out with shady people that rob and steal, so you must be kind of shady. Instead of thinking that maybe you're hanging out with them because you're trying to show them a better way. And this happens, and I'm sorry, but I'm being honest, happens to women a lot. They look at women and say, well, you're hanging out with all those guys. I wonder what you're doing with them. Can't be anything good. Right? That's the same thing that they did to Jesus. Now, um, I'm going to show you this, and this is, this, is, this is, I don't want to say a little controversial, and I'm going to try to control myself, but uh, look at this. This is what happens. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus gives a Jesus response, right? And he's actually quoting from the book of Hosea, chapter 6. But I'm not going to put, put up the verses from Hosea, because they're almost the same thing. I'm going to put it up again in the Amplify, because it expands on the language. Uh, here's what it says, right? And Amplified, it says, this is Jesus, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, that is readiness to help those in trouble and not sacrifice and sacrificial victims. For I came not to call and invite to repentance the righteous, those who are upright and in right standing with God, but sinners, the erring ones, and all those not free from sin. Jesus tells them, uh, he says this, he says, hey, I, you need to learn what this means. It's basically saying you have no idea how to be, because these were Pharisees saying we're, you know, we're the religious, the righteous, we know how to do things right. He's basically saying you don't know anything about what it means to be in right relationship with God, so go learn what this means. And he says, um, I require... Not the sacrifices, not the rituals, not the, hey, we fill our buildings with people, not we have to have done things this way. He says, I require from people that are ready to help other people. If you really want to be the church, 
It's not that you get to stand up and say, hey, we had 800 people in our buildings. And, and, and again, try to tone myself down, right? But it's not that you get to stand up and say, we gave out 100 turkeys to those in need one day out of the year. But it's to say, what are you doing to help the people in need every other day of the year? Because guess what? Those folks need to eat again. Right? It's not to say, hey, uh, all the people, and it's great. Again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing. It's not it's great that there are people collecting toys and, and doing all that stuff for Christmas, and that's great that those families are going to have a great Christmas. But here's the thing. Those families that you're giving the toys to, you're giving it to them because they can't afford to. They also can't afford to pay their light bill. They're also working three or four jobs, uh, and, and some of them uh, can't afford to pay their rent. And it's great that you provided a great Christmas for them, but what else are we doing to help them the rest of the year? Thanksgiving, they have a great meal, great. The day after Thanksgiving, they have leftovers, great. The rest of the week, their cupboards are still bare. And they can't afford diapers and milk. But we're going about our lives Posting on Instagram, here's the pictures of all the people we gave out turkeys to. Yay, we're the church. And Jesus is saying, that's not what it's about. I don't call people to do that stuff. I call people who are willing to love people all the time, every day of the year. And it's great that you gave out all this stuff to all those people. But did you invite them to your table? to sit next to them and have a meal with them? Because that's what being the church is all about. Now, of course, she says, I, don't, I didn't just come to call the righteous. I also came to call the sinners, those who are separated from God and those who don't know God. And I'm going to share this last couple of verse as we, um, as we wind down, right? Uh, and this is from James, the brother of Jesus. And uh, this is what he says. He says, my brethren, so again, he's talking to the church. He says, my brethren, pay no servile regard to people, show no prejudice, no partiality. Don't attempt to hold and practice the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, together with snobbery. Because there are some folks, and, and some of you may not remember this because maybe you weren't into the church at that time or whatever, and I can remember when I just got here, 16, 17, however many years ago, having conversations with pastors who were like not understanding why this was being done. There were, um, uh, and some of you may remember this, when they just started a movement of where you didn't have to wear a suit and tie to church. Anyone remember that? You could come in jeans, you can come in... I'm the only one that remembers that. Okay, yeah, some people might not. Okay, but that's okay, because uh, it was a while ago, because now it's the norm to some. But it was a while ago. But there were a lot of churches who were, if you showed up in jeans, I mean, you could have the nicest collar shirt, not obviously a T-shirt that says transform, but the nicest collar shirt, sweater, whatever, but if you showed up in jeans, they would turn you away. If you were a female and you showed up and you weren't wearing a dress, they would turn you away. Because they had an expectation and a standard for what they thought the church should be. But James, the brother of Jesus, says, hey, that's not the way we're supposed to do it. Now, I'm going to put this in the regular NIV version. Uh, he says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he's talking to the church. Um, we must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and then a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in. 
And he's about to show that we shouldn't treat them differently. Suppose someone comes in wearing a suit and the guy who comes in wearing, you know, shorts and a t-shirt. Most people want the suit guy. Suppose someone comes in wearing, like he says, a gold ring or, you know, like me, someone comes in wearing a green lantern ring, right? Suppose someone comes in fully dressed and suppose someone comes in, hey, I'm just here because you guys have snacks and I'm hungry. And this is what he says. He says, um, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, hey, here's a good seat for you. Come sit at the table. Come join us. As a matter of fact, you're wearing a three-piece suit. You got a Rolex on. You get to sit at the head of the table, right? But you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet or what we tend to do at our holiday gatherings with people we don't like, we see them at the children's table, right? He says, if you say that, have you not, and this is important, he says, discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. This is James' brother Jesus saying, hey, it's evil to treat people like that. It's evil to look at someone and say, hey, you know what? You don't get to sit at the table because you might embarrass us or, you know, Uncle drinks too much, or auntie talks a lot, or whatever, so you go sit over there, or you're not even invited to the table. He says that what we're supposed to do is everyone that walks in, we're supposed to treat them the same, because here's the reality, and this is important, they are the same. There's absolutely no difference. Jesus looks at that person who doesn't have that life together the same way he looks at that person who's successful, owns three businesses, and, and, and driving five Benz, even though they don't have any other family members. He looks at that person uh, who's homeless and trying to get a job the same way he looks at that person who's holding down the CEO position at their job. He looks at them all the same. So here's a challenge. Every week we've been uh, doing a challenge. Um, here's a challenge, and, and this one is really simple, right? Because this is going to happen, right? There are going to be people who show up at our family gatherings, at our work gatherings, at our Thanksgiving gatherings, at the holiday party gatherings, uh, who, who we don't want to talk to, who we don't want to spend time to, with, and who we, if, if it was up to us, we wouldn't have even invited, but it's not at our house, but when it is, they're blacklisted, right? So here's the challenge. They're going to come, and they're going to show up at the table. Instead of getting up and removing yourself from the table, do what Jesus did and just stay at the table and talk to them and get to know them and welcome them and treat them like you would treat every other person at the table. Because that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus didn't just die for the rich people at the table. He didn't just die uh, for the CEO who gets to sit at the head of the table. He didn't just die for, you know, the people who um, 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 brought all the food for the table. He died for the people that have to come in afterwards and clean the table and the people that weren't invited to the table. And he loves each and every one of them the same. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and uh, we're just going to spend a moment in prayer. Because right now, and again, I'm going to try to tone this down, but I'm going to be 100% honest. Most of us, most of us, 
are thinking of that person right now that we know, oh, yeah, they're going to come to the table, but we're not really happy about it. Most of us are thinking of that person that, yep, uh, I just remember last week when I was making a list, crossing them off and saying they're not invited to the table. Most of us are thinking of the coworker that, you know what, if it was up to us, we would fire them rather than invite them to the table. But I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, God. We pray that we would do what Jesus did. We would show that same level of mercy and grace that he extended to us and that we would sit with them at the table that we would treat them with the same love and grace that we treat everyone at the table, that we would be willing to show the same mercy to them that you showed to us. God, that we would, as James said, that we would show no partiality because of the mistakes they've made in the past, because of the issues that they have been unable to overcome, because of the trials in their life that make them maybe different from us. God, we pray that even now, you would put it on our hearts to maybe reach out and invite them to be at the table. And when we see them at the table, that we would love them just the way that you love us. Show them that same grace. Show them that same mercy. Show them that same love that you showed to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Amen.